Welcome to Masterpiece Women. This is Tina Raines, and I'm the founder of Masterpiece Women, and I am so excited to have you here today. We are a community of authentic women from all over the world, growing together, personally, professionally, building businesses and ministries together. Grab a cup of coffee or your favorite tea and sit back and grow with us. Thanks for being here, ladies. Well, hello, lovely Masterpiece women. We are doing Exodus again. And Exodus has been such a powerful, powerful uh, study for us because there's so many great lessons on leadership, so many great gold nuggets from the Lord. And um, I, I believe that every single day when we study the word, we get new manna from heaven. He gives us new, new manna and just um, new words. And we can read these words over and over and over. And yet every time he gives us something new. So today we're going to be reading in chapter 17 and chapter 18. And I want to look at chapter 17 specifically, because I believe God teaches over and over in his word all over the bible to trust him trust him trust him trust is such a difficult thing especially for those of us who have been betrayed i believe there's probably not a soul that has not felt betrayal at one time or another or abuse so many people in our um, world have been abused and neglected and so sometimes it is harder than others to trust god and i think about what's transpired for these Israelites as they're escaping from Egypt and all that went with it and all the difficult times that they've had. And we're reading in here and they're getting frustrated. They're not trusting him. They have trusted him in the past. They've praised him. Then they're back to going, Lord, what about us? Have you forgotten us? And so let's read in 17 a little bit about what God is saying um, to his people. In 17, let's start. Um, let's start here in chapter in verse three. But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. Like these people were so angry. They were ready to stone him, weren't they? They were so upset with them because they trusted him. They trusted God. They'd just been praising the Lord for all that he had done. And now they're dying of thirst. And so the Lord answered Moses. He goes, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take in your hand the staff which you struck the Nile and go, I will stand there before you by the rock at Hore, strike the rock and water will come out for the people to drink. So he's going to go strike this rock and water's going to come out. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massah and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Wow. Can you imagine after everything the Lord had done for these people, they were questioning whether the Lord was real or not. I beg to differ with you. Is he real? Is he not? Of course he's real. 
But how often do we as his people do the same exact thing? How often do we question, are you real God? I remember my daughter having calcium deposits all over her brain when she was two months old and them coming in and basically telling me she was going to be a vegetable and basically saying, this is all you can expect. She, at this time, she's on the ventilator. She's been having seizures. She's just, I mean, she's basically in a vegetative state and she's septic. Her white blood cell counts were, you know, over 357,000, not 100,000. It was crazy how sick she was. And God miraculously healed her. The next day when they did the CAT scan, there were no white brain matter in her brain. The ultrasound had had, they didn't ultrasound. Her entire brain was covered with white brain tissue, which means it was dead, dead brain tissue. White means dead when you're looking at, um, at it's necrosis. It's necrotic. There's no blood flow to those white areas. And so, um, in the brain. And so they came to me basically, so you have to make some decisions. And I was so angry at God. I yelled at him, Lord, you promised me you were going to heal her. Like I believed with everything in me, he was going to heal her. And in that moment, when that transpired, my doubt surfaced just like these Israelites, just like after all the miracles he had done for them. Now, when they don't have water and they're thirsty, they don't trust him. And I remember being just like them and going, Lord, where are you? Lord, I thought you were going to heal my baby. Lord, I don't believe you're going to now because these doctors walked in and just said this to me. But I should have known better. And I went to my room at that time. We were staying at the Ronald McDonald house. And first time in so many days, I fell asleep crying my heart out, devastated, because I thought I was going to lose my child. And when I woke up, I woke up to my mother screaming at the door, banging on the door. Well, of course, first thing I thought of was that my daughter was dead. It, I just woke up in a panic, you can imagine. And she says, Tina, the CT is done. It's negative. They repeated it because they thought their CT scan was broken. And you're we were in an institution that was full. It was a university. So there was full of all these interns and um, these hospital reps and, um, you know, these doctors that were studying to be doctors. And um, they had all seen all of the data and they were all in shock. And it reminds me so much of even these previous chapters of how everybody's in shock that all these plagues kept coming. And that's how they were about these results of my daughter. And literally from that day to about, it was about 10 days later, we went home. She went from 357,000 WBCs down to the 200s down to lower 200s down to 100s down to by the time we went home she had normal white blood cell count and her brain was completely clear those were amazing miracles but yet still because of my own brokenness i still didn't trust god completely and it, I, the israelites remind me so much of myself of when the times got tough Instead of believing, nope, nope, I'm not giving in. I'm, 
not going to believe what they said, I immediately went to God, how could you let me down? And I think we do that as humans often, and we need to be more cognizant and more trusting in him when those difficult times come. And it is hard. We're human. He created us with emotions. He created us with minds, but we need to really be steadfast and stay in his word. And I believe that if I'd really been in his word at that time, because this was when I was, I was 21 years old with a brand new baby and I wasn't really living for the Lord like I do now. And so I believe with everything in me had in that season, I really been paying attention to his word. Had I really been in that intimate relationship with him, I would have trusted him more, but guess what? Even in my little mustard seed of faith that I had, he healed my child. And I had the miracle and he listened to the many, many prayer warriors that had surrounded us when I was weak, they were strong and they were still praying and they were still believing. And my mother was my greatest prayer warrior. And she knew that she knew that she knew that God was going to heal her. And he, she trusted him completely for her healing. So it was such a powerful time to watch those around me because I was a baby and I was very immature in my walk. And I was also an immature adult. I was 21. So anyway, so I know how sometimes we don't mean to behave that way, but we do, but we need to be focused on it. Then we go into the next chapter and we talk about when the Amechalites, the Amechalites come and they're defeated because in verse eight says the Amechalites came and attacked the Israelites of Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of your men, go out to fight the Amechalites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill and with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amechalites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held his hand up, so he had to hold his hand up, as long as he held his hand up, whenever he lowered his hands, the Amechalites were winning. When Moses raised his hands, the Israelites were winning. When Moses' hand grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steadily till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Mechalites' army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it because I will completely blot out the name of the Mech Amalek from under heaven. That's so powerful. And that reminds me so much of how not only did God teach his people to trust him in chapter 17, he was teaching them to trust him. He was teaching them to follow his commands step by step by step by step. But he also was teaching the others to work together. He was teaching them to serve one another. God was building their faith and their character in this difficult season. And oftentimes those most difficult seasons in our lives, that's when he's building our character the most. I know for myself, I can definitely testify that that has been the case with me. When I think about how God does permit difficulties, we understand that it's either a test that he's putting us through or it's a temptation that can make us worse or it can, it can change our attitude. 
but it's our choice of what we want to do. It's our attitude that determines what's it going to be. Is it going to be, is it going to be something that can make us worse? Or is it going to be something that we grow character, grow our character in that test? And we, we grow who we are and we build, it builds our faith. We have that choice because really everything boils down to our choices, doesn't it? So chapter 17, it shows how um, in, in my Don Maxwell leadership Bible that I talk about often, um, it talks about how not only has the Lord provided for their, their needs, he, um, he leads them. And if you look at um, the rod of God, and we talk about how um, Moses was crying out to God, wasn't he? He was calling out to God, Lord, what do I do? What do I do? And he led them and God protected him. And then Moses really learned to depend on God to be his ultimate authority, didn't he? One of the keys, though, I believe that in this, and this is part of the John Maxwell leadership Bible that he talks about, is that, you know, Moses was crying out to God. He was crying out to him for answers, for direction. He was, and God was giving him step-by-step-by-step directions and leadership. And that's what we as leaders need to be like as well. We need to be, for our people that we're raising up, we need to be giving them step-by-step instructions. We need to be clear with them. We need to empower them. And there's very few people in the world that um, people will just follow. Leaders have to earn that respect. They have to earn that authority for people to follow them. So it's really important for us to empower and train the people under us so that we are able to help them to step up and to be what God's called them to be. And if you look at how God specifically earned um, the trust of his people, like when you look back at what he was teaching them in this, in this chapter, he was teaching what he was teaching about production, protection, provision, problem solving, all of those things we as the leaders should also be teaching our team. Again, it's production, protection, provision, and problem solving. They're all key components of what we should be teaching our people as well. So in verses one to seven, if you look at that, what and we read part of that, Moses is pleading with God. He's going, God, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And that's when God says to him to go and raise his arms, go up there. And the, the Melk, Malek, Amalekites came and they attacked him, didn't they? But what happened? Moses goes up to the top of the hill with her and with, um, he sends Joshua out and he takes Aaron and her. And as long as they held his arms up, they were winning. When his arms fell down, what happened? The Amalekites started to win. And so they had to hold them up. And it really reminded me of, we were at a conference for Masterpiece Women this last fall. It was so beautiful. We were up the cove, the Billy Graham Center, and we um, did this hike. And there's this turn. And I stopped there for a minute. I was just looking at this tree and the tree had fallen down like this. And it was literally a 90 degrees from the ground and about three feet up, it had broken um, from the ground where it was actually still in the ground, but it had completely broken off. And the tip of it was leaning on this big, magnificent tree. 
whose leaves had turned with the season. They were bright red and orange and yellow, just beautiful. And this beautiful tree was holding up this broken tree that was just laying there and it wasn't falling off the edge of the cliff because this beautiful tree was holding and supporting it up. And it reminded me of that today. God gave me a vision in that moment of Tina. That's what I want my girls to do for each other. Those times when you're broken and those times when you're hurting and you, you're just, you're completely spent. All you can do is lay in the arms of your sisters and we as sisters should be holding each other up in prayer and support and in um, encouragement. It's so important that we be a body. Our movement, Masterpiece Women, is all about empowering each other, supporting each other. There's no competition within our organization. It's all support. We want to collaborate, collaborate, collaborate with each other to help each other build our ministries, help each other build our businesses and support each other. And I believe that's what the body of Christ as a whole should be doing. I know that God smiles at us when we're serving one another. He calls us to serve one another. He calls us to make disciples. And when we're supporting each other, it's so impactful. And in that same very moment, when I was looking at that tree, the Lord also showed me, Tina, that's me. That big, beautiful tree was had an arm reaching out to God. And it reminded me of my sisters. Not only are they holding me up, they're praying for me. They're reaching up to the Lord, praying to him. And at this very same time, it's just, it was so such a beautiful picture of how we fall into God's arms, just the same. And when we're struggling, he holds us up if we'll just surrender to him. And it was just such a beautiful picture of surrender and of peace and how he walks us through those very difficult times. And he will hold us when sometimes we can't stand up. We just, we're falling down, we're broken and that's okay. That's why we have our savior to protect us and to guide us and to mold us. That's why we have our sisters to help each other. And so that was just such a beautiful picture to me. And I loved how the God, the Lord spoke to me in that time and reminded me of that because it was such a beautiful picture of how um, he wants us to behave as a body of Christ. So let's look here at chapter 18. I love now Jethro has now, that Jethro is Moses's father-in-law. And what does he do? He comes back to see him and um, he teaches him basically about the law of the inner circle. He teaches him what? Delegate, delegate, delegate. You cannot be an effective leader if you're taking everything on. Moses was sitting for hours and hours and hours taking on case after case after case. And he was wearing himself out. And oftentimes that's what we do as leaders. And I'm so blessed to say in Masterpiece Women, we have a team of women who take parts of the ministry and they do what um, is needed to be done. And they support me and they are great leaders and I support them and we support each other. And we could, I couldn't do it without them. There's no way I could do this without the amazing leaders that God has surrounded me with. And Moses was in the same boat, wasn't he? 
he had to learn to delegate. He had to learn to let go and not to try to do it all himself. Because unfortunately, sometimes leaders are the worst at delegating and supporting the people that are moving up under them. Our job should be teach them, delegate, let them go. Guess what? Sometimes leaders are afraid that they're going to fail. Your people are going to fail. They're human and that's okay. Let them fail. They will learn so much from their failures and you have to be without pride enough. You have to let your pride down a little bit enough to let them fail because you're going to fail too. Failure is inevitable, but growth from failure is absolutely incredible. So don't be fearful of building up the people under you and worry so much that they're going to fail because God's got you and he will take care of it. We learn every single time we fail. And in chapter 18, I think it's just such a perfect picture of how God wants us to delegate and how he raises up leaders. And he wants us to raise up leaders. The more leaders we help to succeed, the greater impact we have in the kingdom, in the world for God. So it's really, really important for us to be great leaders. And so um, in chapter 18 too, we also see that um, the Lord is so worthy of being praised and how important it is for us to Praise him instead of complaining, even when it's difficult, even when the seasons are so dark, we don't know how we're going to survive them. Even when the seasons are so painful that we, it's hard to even take a breath. Praise the Lord in it. I promise you, sister, pray. I've been there. I've done that. I know there's been times that I remember thinking, God, why me? Why me? Can you just let me go be with you? Because I can't take one more thing. And in those seasons was when I grew in character. In those seasons was when I grew in my relationship with him. And that's how the Lord molds us oftentimes are in those really difficult times. And so I'm going to encourage you to seek him and to just praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. So talk about a little bit more about um, Jethro. Jethro came back and immediately tells Moses what? Tells him what to do, how to do it, how to improve his processes. And what does Moses do? Does Moses get high and mighty and go, oh, who are you to tell me what to do? No, Jethro had earned his respect. So he immediately implemented everything that Jethro said, didn't he? So what does that say to us? What that says is we need to be making sure that we are leading the same way, that we're earning people's respect by the way we treat them, by pouring into them, by adding value to their lives, by giving them leadership tools, by living our lives as an example so that they respect us and so that they, when we do speak into their lives, they react just as Moses did to Jethro, Okay, you're right. I see that because he greatly respected him. So he implemented the things that Jethro said. And what happened? It worked amazingly because at the time, Moses had a lot of elders, but they weren't doing the day-to-day -day ops. They were doing whatever they were doing. I'm not quite sure exactly what they were doing, but he was doing everything. So it forced Moses to look at himself and it forced him to create systems and empower people 
moved them up and it freed him to be the leader that God had called them to be. And I think that you'll see that if you will empower others, not only is it really rewarding for you because you get to see them thrive, but it's also very rewarding for them to be able to grow and to be the leaders that God's called them to meet. And he does use others to help us get there. And we look at in Exodus, how when God was telling him the instructions about the tabernacle and things like that, he was very explicit. He didn't need anybody else to speak to him, but God allowed Jethro to speak into Moses's life to help him with some of the um, advice that he needed to be able to lead. And I believe that God will use other people in your life as well. So really surround yourself with some great leaders. If you don't have someone in your life that you would say could mentor you or that you could emulate their leadership, find that person, build a relationship with that person, find somebody in your life that you can emulate, that you can watch the way they lead and that you can grow from it because it's imperative that we learn to delegate um, well and to lead well and to have mentors around us that can also teach us to do the same. The more we can glean from other people who have gone before us who are doing it well, they don't have to be experts. They just have to be a few steps ahead of us. Pick the good stuff that they're doing, leave any bad things because no one's perfect and use your own instructions from the Lord that he gives you, but also surround yourself with leaders that will teach you and help you grow in your faith as well. Surround yourself with women who are going to help you to be the best version of yourself. Surround yourselves. If you're a single person, I'm going to tell you, surround yourself with people that make you want to better be a better person. If you're looking for a spouse, there's a lot to look at in that. I was single for many, many, many years. And you want to find, ladies, that leader that you can look up and respect as a leader of your home, as a godly leader, as a man of integrity, as a man leading a household. I'm going to tell you, if you don't have that, it is so difficult. I've been through divorce. I've been through the pain my children have. I'm going to tell you as a single woman, run, Forrest, run. If they are not showing leadership and integrity for Christ, you've got to have a man that's going to lead you well. And I believe that we all need to surround ourselves with those type of leaders as well. So thank you for being with us again today. I'll be back with the next chapters. And I'm so thankful to be on this journey with you. Again, ladies, if you have not registered for our Masterpiece membership program, you definitely want to do so. We are working together, collaborating to build businesses the way God would want them to be, using biblical principles, integrity, and using some great um, technical platforms to help you grow personally, professionally, and giving you step-by-step -step instructions for those of you who have been dreaming of starting your own online business, we can help you do it. So join the membership today, join our classes. We're working together week by week, step-by-step, -step, and you can do it in community with some amazing Masterpiece women. So God bless you. Have a great, great day.